Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Scripture reading today is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, found in the New Testament section of our Bibles. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. O Lord our God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love that we may be obedient to your will and live always for your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Ephesians 3, verse 14. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who, by the power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. From time to time, we're going to take a break in the year and do a couple of what I call back to basic, back to basics teaching series. And I just believe that there are some fundamentals, some very basic, fundamental practices that are normative for all of us who are Christians that we must experience. I think our Christian faith is and will be deeply impoverished if some of these fundamental practices are not part of our experience. And so through the Sundays of February... We're going to do just four Sundays, the Sundays of February. We will spend some time talking about one of the first uh, back-to-basics teaching series that I'm calling, that I'm calling um, Prayer Face-to-Face with God. That's the, the, the series I'll be, I'll be working on, and I'll be leading us through, and others will help us with that prayer face to face with God. You know, at last Tuesday's staff meeting, I shared a wonderful passage that I had read many, many years ago. And it was in reading that passage several years ago that my eyes opened up to a fresh understanding of prayer. And this idea of face to face with God came out of the, the text that I read from, from Exodus 33, verses 7 through 11. And I want you to look at that passage with me. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. 
And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and they would stand, each of them at the entrance to their tents, and they would watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud, which we heard about, would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and they would bow down, all of them, at the entrance to their tent. And then we read these words. And so the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now that line has just gripped me for years and years and years. And that's the basis on which we're building this month where we focus on prayer. That God speaks to Moses and spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. What a privilege that would be, right? That Moses and God were having FaceTime. We're familiar with FaceTime. Now, not literally, of course, because the phrase face-to-face is really a, 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 a way of speaking. Because God had already told Moses that no one can see me face-to-face and live. But I think what this figure of speech is telling us is that God and Moses had communion. God and Moses were in touch with each other. Moses had access to God. They were friends. God told Moses everything that Moses needed to know. And so God spoke to Moses as a friend with a friend. But here's the good news. It's not only Moses who had that experience. Abram was called a friend of God. And then Jesus, on the last night of his life, said these amazing words to the disciples from John 15. He says, I do not call you servants anymore because the servants, they don't know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends. Isn't that amazing? I'm calling you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. Now, wouldn't you like to have that kind of friendship? Wouldn't you like to have that kind of relationship with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And I would offer it up to you this morning that this is at the heart and soul of what prayer is. Last Sunday morning when we were together, I said to you that the fruit of compassion is possible because of the root of love. And the thing about roots is that they're unseen. I want you to hear me on this now, my friends, because if you can get this, you will understand it will change the way you pray. The thing about roots is that they're unseen. The roots are buried beneath the soil, beneath the earth, but it's the roots that give life and strength to the plant. And so many people today, they want the opposite. They want recognition. They want to be heard. They want prominence. They want a platform. They want activities because the more we do, the more relevant we are. And then they think 
when they have all of that, they're really doing something. But I want you to hear me this morning that prayer works the other way. That the life, the person whose life is meaningful and powerful and is having an impact has roots, unseen roots that are forged in communion with God. And so the power of Jesus' life and all the things that he did, it was sourced through prayer. Prayer is the taproot to deep Christian maturity and fruitfulness, not prominence. It's no wonder that Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like the Pharisees who like to be seen, who like to be heard, and they pray long prayers. Jesus said, when you pray, what should we do? Go into where? Go into a closet where no one can see you, and then make your prayer heard. And when you pray that way, Jesus says, you'll be seen, you'll be, you'll be noticed, your life will have an impact, God will reward you openly because you take time quietly and powerfully to pray. Depending on which Bible scholar you read, Paul is responsible for over two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul is known for many things, right? He's known as the, the theologian, so to speak, who articulated the idea of justification by faith. His understanding of grace, his understanding of suffering. Paul had this undying love for the church. He had a very high view of the person of who Jesus is. And he had this amazing teaching about the second coming of Jesus. But of all the apostles and the writers of the New Testament, Paul stands as, a, I call him, an exemplar in the practice of prayer. I call him the apostle of prayer. And I'm not suggesting that the other apostles did not pray. But Paul was most open about the practice of prayer. He often, in his letters, wrote prayers to the churches. He asked about, can you pray for me? He encouraged the disciples to pray or the people of the churches to pray. And whenever I read the two prayers, wasn't it wonderful to hear what David had to say about his mother and about that particular text? But whenever I read those two prayers in Ephesians, I come away feeling lifted and moved to pray. And on many occasions when I offer prayers, whether in public spaces, I offer prayers over people in the hospital or praying over my own family and praying for individuals, I usually dial up some of Paul's prayer in the prayers that I pray. In fact, there are times when, when I'm struggling with prayer. There are times when we all struggle to pray. Isn't that true? We all struggle to pray. There are days when our words feel so feeble. There are days when our feelings are just so scattered. There are days when our minds are so muddled and we just, we're just not feeling it. We don't know what to say. But I want to encourage you this morning not to give up. I don't want you to give up believing in the efficacy of prayer. 
I want you to take the time and take to heart the prayers of the Bible. I encourage you to memorize them. I encourage you to read them. I encourage you to use them. I encourage you to integrate them into your life. Because when you are praying, when you are using the prayers of the Bible, you will then find a way to navigate the tough times of life. And I know that all of us here this morning are dealing with something. These are tough times, right? These are times that try men's souls. These are times when we feel like we're being sifted. And so this is a time for us to be praying. There have been times when I've used this prayer that we're looking at for our congregation. And there have been times for a whole month as I pray, I pray Ephesians 3 over our congregation. I pray Ephesians 3 over our leaders. I pray Ephesians 3 over my family for a whole month. And I wish I could stand here and say to you that God has answered the prayers that I've prayed in, in the specific ways that I've asked. No, no, that's not even the biggest story. The biggest story is in doing that exercise, what God did to my heart. Let me tell you why I want to encourage you to be a people of prayer. Prayer has freed me from the sins of self-pity. I no longer have pity parties. I no longer curl up into a ball and go into a corner and cry myself to sleep because somebody said they don't like me. I no longer walk in fear. I no longer live with levels of insecurity and anger and a spirit of resentment and a spirit of revenge. It doesn't mean I don't have those feelings, but I don't allow them to control me anymore. I encourage you to pray because prayer reminds us of the friendship that we have in Jesus. And despite all the difficulties and despite all the challenges, God somehow lifts us up and sustains us. And so I want to encourage you to pray. Everything, listen to me now, Everything that God desires for his church is found in the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. And I want you to notice that when Paul wrote that prayer, he never asked God, Lord, would you please bless the church in Ephesus so that they grow? Numbers. He didn't pray for more money. He didn't pray for a larger building. He didn't pray for greater, greater personal influence. Instead, he prays the stuff that a lot of people will just sort of dismiss. He prays that the congregation would love God and each other. He prayed that they would be strengthened in their inner being with power through the Holy Spirit because they had their tough times too. He prayed that they would, they would know just how Deeply they are loved, and that they would know the source of their power as coming from God, the God who raised Jesus from the dead and not from themselves. And some of us still don't know that yet. We think it's all about us. 
he prayed that they would know the height and the length and the breadth and the depth of the love that God has for them. And at the end of his prayer, he reminds them that God is able. God is able to do, to do, to do abundantly more than all we could ask or think because of the power of God that is at work within them. And friends, this is the awesomeness of prayer. That you could pray and God says, uh-uh, you're not asking for enough. I'm going to do more. But here's the thing, as long as we're clothed in our earthly bodies, we will never, ever reach perfection. But here's the good news. The good news of the gospel is that God delights in rescuing the weak. God delights in working through the powerless. God delights in using those who are frail and unformed and our growth and our strength and our ability to live a faithful life will never, ever be enough. We will never be enough. And that's why we need to pray. Thanks be to God, who is able to do more and accomplish more than our feeble prayers and our limited minds could ever express or conceive. This prayer then reminds me that whenever something massive happens, when God does something amazing, that's not the time for us to say, yep, 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 I did it, I did it. But it's to do what Paul does, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so friendship with God, FaceTime with God, it's normative. It's not reserved for the giants, so-called giants like Moses or Paul or Abraham. It's for you. It's for me. And so the question then becomes, why do we struggle then? Why is it such a struggle for us to pray, or in some cases for some of us to not even bother with prayer? Why is that so? And here's my, here is my reasoning as to why it is so. Because for many of us, prayer is an emergency lever. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I go through emergencies and I say, God, help me. Many a math classes. Man, I remember God when I've got a math test. But that's not the only reason why we pray. But for many of us, that's why we struggle. Because when life is going well and things are okay, we just think, well, I don't need to bother God. But when that emergency comes, God, help me, help me. God, 911. And so we start to pray. But what if we thought about prayer in the spirit? What if we thought about prayer in the spirit of Psalm 8? Remember what Psalm 8 says? Psalm 8 says, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals, that you care for them? And the question isn't whether God is mindful of you. The question isn't whether God knows you and cares about you. The question is why? And then the answer is given. Yet you made them, you made us a little lower than God, 
and you crowned them with glory and honor. In other words, God has wired you and me for a friendship, for a relationship with God that goes way beyond 911 prayers. We're made like the Creator to be with the Creator. When Jesus called his disciples, he called them so that they could be with him. And I want you to understand that nature of prayer as being like the Creator and being with the Creator. And the overarching goal of this Back to Basic series when we talk about prayer is to convince us this morning, to convince all of us this morning that we need prayer more than God needs to hear us pray. We need the presence of God more than God needs us. In fact, God is altogether perfect. God doesn't need Ray Hilton. God doesn't need first prayers. Friends, let that just sink in for a moment. We're broken from the inside out. And so we need God's presence, God's power, God's friendship. And I like to think of prayer as the weaker who is coming to the stronger. I like to think of prayer as the beggar who is coming to the benevolent king. It's that lonely person who has no friend in the world and God said, but you have me, come to me. And so here's what I think. Failure to pray then is relational death because prayer is the way we experience God. And lack of prayer then in my mind could be compared to a person who has access to all the money in the world and yet out of stubbornness or out of ignorance, they choose to live like paupers on the streets, totally ignorant that they have this exorbitant wealth unused. I say to you this morning, my friends, that prayer, failure to pray is harmful to our spiritual health. It's harmful. Imagine, imagine you are diagnosed with a, a horrible disease and the doctor says, the only way you're going to stay alive, you have to take this pill every single morning. If you don't take it, you're going to go under. How many of us would forget to take that medicine? How many of us here today would ignore taking that pill? How many of us here this morning would dismiss taking that pill? None of us would. It would be so crucial for our existence that we wouldn't forget it. And this is why prayer is good for our soul. It's good for our family. It's for our church. It's for the people with whom you work. It's for the ministries of our church. It is for our survival. And in the Gospel of Luke, I counted about 17 different times in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is seen praying, and it's no wonder that the disciples came up to Jesus one day and said, Lord, can't you just teach us how to pray? We've been watching you. Teach us how to pray. And by the way, to this day, many mornings, I say, Lord, would you teach me how to pray? For me, I am a forever student in Jesus' school of prayer. I will never graduate because I'll never arrived, arrive. And I hope you feel the same way too. One of the models that I have used for decades is this model that I call the, the Axe Model of Prayer. 
and ACTS. Many of you have heard about this. This is something that God has used powerfully in my life to, to, to help me to pray. God has used it in a powerful way to help me to pray. And the A stands for adoration. You know, when I'm with a friend, I don't run up to that friend immediately and say, can you give me $100? Can you get me a new car? My furnace is broken. I need this, I need that, I need this. Now, there are some people like that who treat their friends that way. Every time they see this person, the hand is stretched out, and usually those relationships suffer. What I love about this model is that it saves us from just seeing prayer as either an emergency lever or, God, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. Instead, you can explore different ways as you spend time with God. Adoration. Where you adore God for who God is. Confession. Where you take some time to confess that you have sinned against God and you're in need of forgiveness. And then there is even thanksgiving. Not just thanking God for what you have, but just thanking God for who God is and for what God is doing in the world. And then, the, and then finally, we get to supplication. And if you were listening to our brother speak, he asked us to pray for him. And that is a time when we can then bring our requests to God and offer up these prayers to the Lord and ask for his help. But there is one more letter that I would add to it, and that is the letter L, which stands for listening. Because when we have prayed and we've had the conversation with God, if we wait long enough, God will speak to you. Now, what needs to happen for you and me is that we need to learn to develop listening to God. And that's not automatic. It takes time. But God wants to speak to us. And so whenever I'm done praying many times, I wait and I said, God, I'm here. What is it you want me to know? Lord, speak to me. Show me. I'm your servant. Help me, Lord. And so I'm wondering if you would do something for me over these Sundays in February, these weeks in February, we're six days in already, if you would be willing to take that ACTS and L prayer model and begin praying this way every day for the month of February and allow for your friendship to God, with God to grow. Would you do that? Because I believe if you were to do that, you will find that Jesus will indeed be this friend that you and I have been singing about this morning. The lover of your soul, the friend that you have in Jesus. Your life will be changed. And for those of you who have not been in the habit of praying, I want to encourage you to pray that A-C-T-S and L model of praying. And just see what God will do in coming to you and blessing you and encouraging you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, Amen. Amen.